Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. I don't assume though that uh, people in Canada, especially those who are not part of the church, which is increasingly the largest segment of Canada, I don't assume most people even know why Easter is celebrated. We get it off work, right? It's a paid stat, right? Uh, great, that's all I need to know. It's something about eggs or chocolate or bunnies or spring, spring. There's a lot of Christians who don't really connect what Easter is except some superficial level. It's something about Jesus, right? Uh, I wanna share with you real quickly today five things that you may not even know about Easter and why it matters in 2022. In fact, uh, why it matters most. Uh, I, for one, have the belief, like Chris said, Easter changes everything. And so first, uh, what you really need to know is number one, something really happened 2,000 years ago. Whether you think a stone was rolled away and that Jesus walked out of the tomb like Christians do, you need to know historically something really did happen that first Easter morning. Here's what we have in terms of historical facts that everybody agrees on. First, we know that there was this person, Jesus of Nazareth, who walked the earth, he existed in time and history. No one denies that. We know that after a public ministry, he was sentenced to death by by, uh, a Roman crucifixion. We also know that on the third day, there was an empty tomb. We know that the stone was no longer in front of that tomb and that a body was gone. We also know that after that Sunday, his followers went running around the area saying that he was risen from the dead and that they had in fact seen him, touched him, talked to him. Not just one of the disciples, or even a handful, but all of them. There are even records of witnesses seeing this post-resurrection Jesus numbering in the hundreds. And they were making this claim boldly, which is odd because if you're familiar with the biblical narrative of the death of Jesus, when he was killed, his followers scattered. They were terrified. They went into hiding thinking that they'd be next. They're trembling behind locked doors. But after that first Easter morning, they came out of hiding like they were Conor McGregor walking to the octagon. Like the confidence just brimming. And we know from that day on, the Christian movement just expanded exponentially. We know that by AD 100, about 50 years later, there were around 25,000 followers. Then. 200 years later, there were about 20 million followers, and today there are billions, the largest religious faith. So something happened. 
You can't just write off Easter as a non-event. You, you may not buy that something miraculous happened, but the people back then who were there sure did. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing you may not have known. The resurrection of Jesus ended religion. That sounds weird, right? Isn't Easter all about religion? Actually, no. Christianity isn't about religion at all. What Jesus ushered in was a whole new paradigm where we could have a relationship with the Most High God. Relationship is the antithesis of religion. And, and just look at what happened when Jesus uttered his final statement from the cross. Does anybody know the last words of Jesus on the cross? It is finished. John 19 says, now listen to what happened next. By this time it was noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those last words, he breathed his, his last. Well, what was finished? Uh, what happened that enabled Jesus to know his mission was accomplished as he breathed his last? The answer is found in one of that most overlooked details of the crucifixion scene. Let me read it again. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. That single supernatural event concluded thousands of years of religion. See, when, when God established his, his people, the Jewish people, forming this new community in order that they might be a blessing to the world through him, people only interacted with God through this select group of individuals called priests. They, they were the ones that sort of stood between God and people. And which meant that anything that they wanted to do with God or for God, praying, giving an offering, confessing sins, you couldn't go directly to God. You had to go through a priest. And part of the process involved a tabernacle. In the days of Moses, as, as God's people were mobile in the desert, uh, God instructed them to build a mobile tabernacle, and it, it, it be built as their place of worship. It looks something like this. And at the heart of the tabernacle was the holy place in the center. All the priests could go in there. But then inside the holy place was the most holy place, or the holy of holies, which had inside it the Ark of the Covenant. Raiders of the Lost Ark, anyone? Yeah? Okay. The Ark was real, and according to scripture, it, it probably would have looked like the, the one from the movie, but it was kept in this partitioned off area called the Holy of Holies. It was separated by a, you guessed it, curtain. And the most holy place represented God's throne room. It represented his very presence. And people didn't have direct access to the presence of God. Only the priests were allowed into the holy place, and only the high priest was entered once a year into the holy of holies. In fact, they would, they would tie a rope onto his leg, and he'd go into the curtain, and they'd tie a rope just in case he died inside from the just 
face-melting presence of God, and, uh, and they'd have to drag him out. It's like when Andre goes under the stage with his soldering iron and his uh, crimping tools, I feel like I need to tie a rope around his leg in case the asbestos gets him or something. And, <laughs> And the high priest could only enter with the, the, the blood sacrifice, which was offered for himself and for all of the people he represented. In the Old Testament days, God allowed people to make a sacrifice of, of an animal to make amends for their sins. Now, I know that seems strange to us, but I think it was very intentional by God. He wanted people to see the severity of their sins. That, that sin really did cost something. That there was a spiritual death penalty unless it was somehow atoned for. But I think he also wanted to see us to see his mercy, his forgiveness, his love. So the sacrifice was a substitute for the sinner. It bore the sinner's guilt. But it wasn't something that would finally and ultimately bridge that gap between God and people. It was more like a, like a stopgap measure as God's redemptive plan was unfolding, which is why the prophets of God all throughout the Old Testament kept saying, there would be one who would come, one sent from God, who would take away all the sins of the world, and be this once and for all sacrifice for our guilt and shame and sin, which brings us to Jesus, God's complete revelation of himself, and it brings us to the cross. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. At the moment Jesus died, the curtain to the Holy of Holies was torn in two, supernaturally ripped apart. Why? Because Jesus became our high priest. He became the once and for all sacrifice with his own blood. And that separation that once was between God and man was shattered. We had access to his presence. We had access to God. From that point forward, no priest would be needed to voice our prayers on our behalf or to serve as mediators between our lives and God. We didn't need sacrifices anymore. The perfect sacrifice had been made. And now we can directly access the presence of God, receive his forgiveness, receive his grace, have a relationship. We don't need to go to a holy place. We don't need the help of a holy person. We just... God calls us sons and daughters. God calls us friends. Can you believe it? The creator, sustainer of the universe calls us friends. Relationship. Jesus took all the barriers between us. Here's actually how the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews puts it. He says, so friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it. So, so when it comes to Easter, we know that something really did happen. We know that it ended re religion 
and ushered in relationship. Here's a third thing you may not have known. The resurrection of Jesus purposely leveled the cultural playing field in terms of of class, gender, roles. It just unleashed a a revolution through the, the Christian movement against things like sexism and racism. Here's how. After Jesus was resurrected, the first person who he talked to was was a woman named Mary Magdalene. The Bible tells us she was a very sick woman who was afflicted, and Jesus healed her and transformed her. And uh, she devoted her life to him and his ministry. She became part of this inner circle of disciples. In fact, she's mentioned 14 times in the New Testament in various settings, making her one of the most prominently featured women in the entire New Testament. And one of those scenes was when immediately following the resurrection, let me read it. Here's what it says in the Gospels. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Why are you crying, the angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She glanced over her shoulder and saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who were you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned toward him and cried out, Rabboni which is Hebrew for teacher. And then Jesus said, I want you to go find my brothers and tell them. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. So the Bible records that the first witness to Jesus after he was raised from the dead was a woman. Why is that important? Because in ancient Eastern culture of that day, Women held no rank in society. In fact, a woman's testimony was not even accepted in Jewish courts. Uh, Even the witness of multiple women was not acceptable. And yet Jesus purposely went first to a woman, chose her to be that witness. That was an act, I think, meant to turn turn culture of the day on its head. Jesus radically affirmed the dignity of women all throughout his ministry. And not just women, but people, all people who may have been marginalized or considered second-class citizens. In the kingdom of God, there is no divisions between rich or poor, between black or white, between man or woman, between young or old. All the things that would make one group lesser than another. And if you're exploring Christianity this morning, maybe you're skeptical. I just serve this as maybe one extra little bit of proof that this resurrection story wasn't made up. No one who was going to make up an elaborate lie would have made the first and primary witness to the resurrection a woman. It would have been instantly discrediting of the entire event. You would never have made the eyewitness someone whose testimony would not have been accepted in a court of law. Here's a fourth thing that you may not have known about 
Easter. We think of Jesus and Easter being sort of this one weekend event. You know, it wasn't. The, the Easter event lasted 40 more days. For 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus talked and walked with and interacted with people. Jesus took 40 post-resurrection days to prepare his disciples for what was to follow, which was the building of this movement, his mission called the church. And he was, he was doing that all along before his death. He, he would say things like this from Matthew 16. I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep out. And then in his, his final words at the end of 40 days, post-resurrection, before returning to heaven, he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the 40 days were used in part to remove any and all doubt about his resurrection. This was no hoax. This was no illusion. This was no collective hallucination, no wishful thinking out of grief and trauma. This was real. And he took 40 days where it's recorded that he appeared to at least 500 people, some believers, some unbelievers. There is non-biblical historical witnesses to this post-resurrection appearance. And he used those 40 days to reinforce and reteach and remind and recast his vision and his mission, which took on a whole new credibility and power in light of him raising from the dead. So what is it that we've learned about Easter that you may not have known? That something really happened on that day 2,000 years ago, that it ended religion and it, it, it became about relationship. It leveled the playing field culturally where it's clear that everybody mattered in God's eyes. And he took an important 40 days following this resurrection before ascending to to drive the reality and the power and the meaning home. Here's one last thing uh, you may not have known about the resurrection of Jesus and that it can happen to you. It really can. If it can happen to a guy like Frank, right? can happen to all of us. 2,000 years ago, the power of God was reflected in a single life with such a clear demonstration of might and truth and love that all of human history was forever changed, culminating in that life physically being raised from the dead. And through the resurrection of Jesus, God demonstrated his ultimate power because there is no greater power than having power over death. People have been trying to solve or delay the power of death forever, and it won't happen. But then the Bible says something radical, that the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for your life. Here are the words and the promise that goes with them in Ephesians. You need to understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. 
That means that the power of the resurrection can be in your life too. And, and not just after you die a physical death, but I'm talking right now, today, in 2022. God can take your life now, no matter where you are, where you've been, he can bring you to life from any place where you feel lifeless. He can give you whatever new beginning that you need this morning. Here's how the Bible puts it. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Tim Keller is a name you may recognize. He tells this story about a pastor who was visiting Italy. And he saw an old grave of a man who had died centuries before who was obviously an unbeliever and completely against Christianity. It also sounds he might have been a bit afraid of it too because the man had a huge stone slab put over his grave to stop himself from being raised from the dead just in case this whole resurrection thing was true. I didn't say he was a smart man. And he had carvings put on this heavy stone slab. And it said in Italian, I do not want to be raised from the dead. I do not believe in it. (laughs) Well, here's what happened. Evidently, when he was buried, uh, an acorn must have fallen into the grave. (laughs) A hundred years later, the acorn had grown up through the grave, split the slab... It was now this tall, towering oak tree. And the pastor looked at that and said, if an acorn, you know, which has the power of biological life in it, can split such a massive slab of stone, what could the seed of God's resurrection power do in someone's life, do in my life? doing your life. Folks, the minute you decide to receive Jesus as the Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It is the power of the resurrection, the same thing that raised Christ from the dead. The the word is dunamis, and it's where we get the word dynamite. It is explosive, dynamic power that comes into your life. It's the same word that's used when when Jesus uh, talks about his miracles, dynamite. Think of the, the things you see as immovable slabs in your life, your, your insecurity, your fears, your self-doubts, your depression, your bitterness. Those things can be split, rolled away. In fact, the more you know him, the more you grow in the power of the resurrection. Amen? God, I thank you for the power of the resurrection which lives in me, which lives in every son and daughter who is your child. It's one thing to have power over others exerted with a gun or with force. It's another thing to change a heart 
I mean, that can only happen supernaturally. Lord, that is resurrection power. I pray for the one here today who's just on the fence about this whole thing, who's skeptical. There's nothing I can say that will, you know, connect their head to their heart that can supernaturally speak to their spirit. But you can't, Jesus. You say that the Father will actually draw people to him if we lift up the name of Jesus. So even now, Lord, I pray that you would draw people to you. I pray that you would give them a revelation of yourself and this resurrection power that they can access. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.